You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. This is Lucio Orique, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Bark World, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today after that uh, that, that game that uh, happened here last week? Yeah, I'm doing well, Lucio. Um, yeah, you know, not a whole lot of time for the team or, or anyone else to mope after that one with uh, two less days to prepare for game two with the Bazaar. We've got went so long without Bulldog football and now two games in six days, but uh, yeah, certainly a disappointing performance, but now uh, Game 2 is almost here, so uh, we'll see if they can bounce back and, and shore some things up from that we saw on Saturday. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely kind of an odd game uh, to sit there and watch. Kind of uh, Bulldogs looked like they had a lot of rust still to shake off of them. Um, granted, they, they, they don't have as many reps under their belt as they would like uh but we did expect a little bit more out of them this past week and uh tell us jackson you were in the stadium how different does it feel to not have anybody else other than the players in the in the stadium (laughs) yeah it is bizarre it is um you know they did enough to make it feel like it wasn't a scrimmage or anything like that it still felt like a game i think that probably the biggest difference on the field is just you don't have that excitement and the energy that usually the defense feeds off of and that's what i felt most especially in the fourth quarter when you know the red wave would have been screaming their heads off there trying to help the bulldogs get a stop and get the ball back and uh hawaii was busy just pounding the ball and and grabbing third down conversion after third down conversion i think if uh third down thunder was blaring and 30 to forty thousand fans were cheering uh maybe it would have helped them get a stop but uh, otherwise, you could see kind of the team deflate uh, with nothing going on around them except uh, some fake crowd noise in there. But you know, otherwise, it was um, kind of business as usual in, in most ways. I mean, they they came out, they entered the field like normal. They they don't have the tunnel, which um, you know they're used to seeing the Bulldogs run out of. Uh, it seems like it would be kind of a big bottle of COVID if anyone had it in there. So it's probably a good thing they. They did that this season. Uh, instead, there's a big concert-style entrance uh, thing they've installed, and it looks pretty cool. There's lights that flashing, and they had the fire extinguisher still. So uh, the team, you know, they watched their pregame video on the scoreboard. They ran out like they always do. They went to the end of the field, and a lot of guys said their pregame prayers. And, you know, there's definitely a, a loss of energy for sure, not having the fans there cheering them on. But, um you had the PA announcer calling the game just as if there was a whole crowd there. He went through the uh, evacuation plans before the game, <laughs> which I think if something were to happen, we all could have got out of there pretty easily. But, you know, they're just doing everything. Yeah, they even said, uh, like, if you throw stuff on the field, you'll be ejected and that kind of thing. So uh, they everyone tried to act as if it was a normal game, but it obviously wasn't. And uh, just the media in the stands uh, taking pictures and, um, uh, there was uh, the players that weren't active were in the red seats spread out very far away from each other cheering on the team and uh, you had some media up in the press box too so there weren't very many people there um, but you know, it was 
enough energy to not be a scrimmage, but not enough energy to feel like a regular game and absolutely nothing like seeing all the familiar faces in the stands that we're used to seeing. I find it very, um, very funny that they, they, they decided to bring back the, uh, the, um, fire extinguishers. I think um, it was Tedford who wasn't very, you know, who didn't like that, wasn't it, uh, Jackson, after they kind of sprayed him in, uh, in the face one time, I think. Yeah, I think there was a malfunction a year or two ago, and they, they stopped that. But <laughs> I think, um, you know, he was pretty old school, and uh, Kalen DeBoer is a little more perhaps um, willing to listen to some new ideas and ways to spice up game day. So uh, I think we may see them try out some things this year, and then uh, hopefully there's fans in the crowd next season and they can really uh, implement them. And you know, some things like with the, the lighting uh, fixtures, I think they only tried it once or twice since they – installed those last year but those things can kind of flash in and out and make for a cool environment that uh, they haven't really seen yet and thursday's a night game so they might actually be able to use that to create some hype but yeah they're they're, they're trying some things out and uh, hopefully there'll be some cool ideas uh, ready to roll next season with that yeah i mean that's gonna be uh, a fun <laughs> a fun thing to to kind of see how things are going to progress a little bit uh I know back in the Deruder days, they they were trying to, to to mimic some of the other schools by by allowing the players to kind of pick their uniforms and mix and match different pieces and and things like that. Maybe we'll see some of that start to happen again with uh, with the new coach in place, kind of a little more open minded to things. Where Tedford was a little more old school, and you know he would he would rather his players go out there naked versus trying to pick different <laughs> uniforms if, if that was at all possible. <laughs> but you know the the atmosphere is in the stadium it does mean a lot to the players because they do feed off of, of what the fans are doing and to not have those fans in the stadium you could tell you could tell by some of the play of of how the bulldogs reacted and and how hawaii was taking full advantage of of not having the 12th man so to speak being able to chime up in in the game and kind of have the bulldogs feed off of them and you could see that kind of happening down down there in the stadium, couldn't you, Jackson? Yeah, yeah. It was like I was mentioning, especially on defense. That's where you feel it the most. Offensively, um, you know, kind of business as usual. Um, they put in just enough crowd noise to where you can't hear Jake Hayner making all the calls and everything like that. But um, so it's not quiet or anything like that. It's just you're not looking up in the crowd. It still feels relatively normal. But there's such a loss of energy on defense that you don't get. And uh, again, they, they did pipe in crowd noise and some marching band music and that kind of stuff, but it's uh, kind of an odd one because Fresno State sound system is all in the north end of the stadium, and so it's loud over there, but at the same time, you might hear the sideline give a golf clap after a play, and that kind of you hear that when you wouldn't hear it with 40,000 fans screaming around. So there's some weird things that go on with uh, the audio inside the stadium and the way it's set up. But um, again, I think Fresno State's doing a good job with uh, all things considered, what they're doing to make it feel like a game day. But there's just some things that are impossible to replicate and why I sure hope this doesn't last any more than a season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of weird watching it at home as well because, you know, you're, you're watching the game and they're putting in artificial crowd noise into – uh, in, in into the the play calling, I mean, you can tell it's not real, <laughs> so it, it kind of it kind of makes things a little bit. They're trying their best to make it sound normal, 
but then when they're panning into the stadium and you don't see a dang person in the stadium, <laughs> not a single person sitting in the stadium, you're going, well, that doesn't sound right. Doesn't look right. Doesn't feel right. And so it's, it's a, you can only imagine what the players are going, um, going through down there on the field level. And it, it's not going to get any easier as the season goes on. They're going to have to figure this out and, and figure out how to play without having a crowd, um, you know, spur them on. Um, things aren't going to get any easier moving forward. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but let's talk about kind of what you were able to see, uh, what went right with the Bulldogs against Hawaii, and, and then kind of break it down and tell us what went wrong. Um, and just... You know, be brutally honest, Jackson. Just be brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I did a pretty long uh, feature as far as uh, takeaways from the game over the weekend, and it was mostly, you know, not as positive as I would have hoped that, <laughs> that article was going to be uh, going in Saturday. But uh, there were some bright spots, and to touch on those, it, it's funny. I think the most concerning thing we talked about last week was having a redshirt freshman walk on Braylon Luck starting at cornerback. And I think he might've been Fresno state's MVP of the game. <laughs> as far as What he brought. I mean, uh, Hawaii was a team we did not expect to run for over 300 rushing yards. We thought, uh, of course the way that they played before with Nick Rolovich was all about the passing game and, uh, they were planning to pass the ball. They still did it a quite a decent amount, but, uh, none of the really deep passes that Hawaii is known for creating. They tried a few times and failed. Uh, they had one 35-yard catch. They had one 21-yard catch. And other than that, uh, the defensive backfield kept everything in front of them. And Lux particularly played the entire game on defense. Uh, he had a team-high eight solo tackles. He had uh, fumbles forced right off the bat on the opening kickoff. He's the one that jarred that thing loose. So, I mean, he was all over the place and makes you feel like you're, you're pretty confident with what he brings and going forward and keeping that spot all year long, perhaps. Um, just one game. But, I mean, if you're going to test them against anyone, that, that was the team to do it. Uh, the defensive ends also, that was a, a position I was optimistic about going into this year because you had Kwame Jones healthy, who didn't play much last year and wasn't his full self when he did play. Uh, you had David Perales, who I, I had really heard was possibly the best or second best defensive end but obviously he couldn't play last year as a transfer from Sacramento State and uh, that position was kind of a revolving door last year and he went past all those guys right to the starting lineup this season and I thought he really proved himself as a a solid uh, starter there and even junior college transfer Demarcus Johnson was just about right on par with those two guys so you feel pretty good if you've got three defensive ends that are that solid and and that dangerous especially in the pass rush um, that's something Fresno State just didn't have last year. And then on special teams, uh, they made a pretty a few pretty good plays as well as far as, obviously, the opening kickoff. They forced the fumble. They had a punt pinned at the one-yard line. Um, they did connect on uh, a couple of field goals. They did have some errors as well, a missed field goal and a, a botched hold on an extra point, which can't happen. So uh, kind of uh, good and bad there. Um, but Obviously, those few aspects of the game were not enough to, to get it done, and the rest of the Bulldogs' performance was not quite up to, to standard to what they needed to do to win. Obviously, the run defense is going to be huge as far as why that happened, and the turnovers as well, because as poor as the defense was, I mean, if the Bulldogs don't turn the ball over four times, some of those kind of deep in Hawaii territory as well, 
I mean, that could have been enough to erase a lot of that 15-point uh, deficit that was on the final score. Um, run defense, obviously, in the fourth quarter, they could not get a stop to, to save their lives. Hawaii, which was a team that is definitely not known for running the ball. They only averaged about 130 yards per game last year. Uh, went for over 300 on the Bulldogs and really just, I mean, it wasn't even anything fancy in the fourth quarter. Earlier in the game, uh, they kind of caught the Bulldogs off guard with some read option and some wildcat, but those last couple of drives, it was really kind of just running between the tackles. And uh, they did a few things, I think, that caught Fresno State off guard. They went with a sixth O-line and even a seventh O-lineman at times, which uh, <laughs> Hawaii that ran, ran run and shoot last year, I mean, they would never put more big guys on the field than they would need to. They would much rather have the speed, even if it was fourth and goal. So uh, that was uh, a surprise. But otherwise, um, it sounded like Fresno State was ready for a lot of the concepts they saw. They just didn't have the either the guys or the, the technique or uh, the uh, overall conditioning to hold up. Uh, they definitely looked gassed in the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, you had a couple of D linemen get dinged up. You had guys that cramped up. You had guys that had to take themselves out of the game because they were just exhausted. Um, you also did not have Aaron Mosley, which we did not expect in the linebackers unit. He only played a couple of snaps. And if you would have told me that before the game, uh, my expectations would have been tempered quite a bit on defense. I mean, you're already dealing with Michael Walker graduating from last season with Justin Rice not being here, having transferred to Arkansas State. Then you take Mosby out, and you've got a couple underclassmen that have not played much college football uh, responsible for the very core of the defense. So uh, no surprise uh, there as far as the linebacker downfall, but um, did not – I mean, even then, you still don't expect Hawaii to run the ball that much. So um, obviously there's plenty of excuses for Fresno State to have not met a lot of the expectations. They were favored in this game. They were – virtual equals in the Mountain West preseason poll as far as um, where these two teams stood back in the spring. Um, but Fresno State has had the least amount of preparation out of any school in the Mountain West. And uh, they did have a clean fall camp. They didn't get to hit as much as they certainly normally would have in a normal preseason. And uh, you can certainly understand some tackling issues, some fatigue issues, why that might have uh, rose up. But um, at the end of the day, I think that's a game that Fresno State has the guys to still uh, to win. I mean, as we mentioned, a few things here or there they could have fixed, and uh, it could have been a much different ball game. Um, defensively, you, you're left kind of confused. I thought pass defense was going to be the issue, and it looks like the run defense is going to be the problem. And then on offense, uh, you know, even with without the turnovers, there was some chemistry issues. I felt like. Uh, a lot of drives that kind of stumbled when maybe they shouldn't have. I mean, no one really had a big game. Uh, no one touched the ball a whole lot except for Ronnie Rivers. Uh, so I would like to see them tighten that down a little bit and establish some go-to guys. Uh, last year, they never really did that either, and injuries was a big part of it. But this year, as long as everyone's healthy, I'd like to see Hayner kind of build that chemistry with a, a few guys and uh, kind of go from there. Uh, so... The offense was even with the turnovers that didn't quite live up to my expectations, but they've got a chance to fix just about all of that, or at least put on a better performance on Saturday against, or excuse me, Thursday against the Colorado State team that uh, did not do anything close to what Hawaii was uh, capable of last year. So 
um, maybe more of a, a even matchup as far as two teams that didn't do so hot last year and uh, are looking to, to turn things around this year uh, between the Rams and the Bulldogs. Yeah, things are things are going to be a, a little bit a little bit difficult this year to try and, and gauge how this team's going to do with with them being so far behind on reps. Don't you think, Jackson? It's it's really going to start to uh, show itself. I think they've had one of the fewer reps among uh, the teams in the Mountain West. Um, yeah. So it's it's really yeah. going to make things a little bit more difficult for the Bulldogs to kind of catch up, so to speak. Yeah, it's hard to measure because there's been a lot of different outcomes across the nation. Even from the very beginning of this very unusual season, you had a team like Navy who didn't do any contact and. Uh, preseason and then just got demolished by about 50 points against BYU in their first game and say, oh, no wonder they didn't do any tackling all preseason. They weren't able to. Um, as far as Fresno State's practices, once they got here, it was uh, as close to normal as possible, but um, most Mountain West teams had their guys back on campus in June. Fresno State didn't have theirs till September, uh, late September, right before uh, they started preseason practices. Yeah, so things are are, are yeah. going to be a little bit different, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, from a conditioning standpoint and a strength standpoint, you definitely would expect Fresno State to not be there as far as the other programs. But as far as uh, execution and um, installation and things, they did have a clean fall camp. So um, that should not be as significant of an issue. Yeah, and and so things are are definitely going to uh, uh, be a little bit of touch and go for the Bulldogs this year. Um, now you kind of saw what what you know you kind of explained what went right, what went wrong. What were some of the surprises that you you took away from the game? Because you know there's always one or two that you kind of were like, whoa, where did he come from all of a sudden? Um, so what were some of the surprises you saw during the game? Yeah, Sherwin King surprised me, and he's someone I don't think many people are even talking about after the game because uh, of what all went on, but he did lead the team in total tackles. He's the guy that stepped up for Aaron Mosby not being able to play. Uh, we learned this week that Mosby had a, a preseason injury issue, and he's not 100%, so uh, he was listed as a starter going in, and they kept that pretty secretive, so uh, all of a sudden, Sherwin King was the guy we didn't realize he was going to be, and uh, the defense didn't live up to what they needed to do by any means, but he personally I was able to come up with quite a few tackles. And uh, there were some other guys in that linebackers unit I thought might have been next to mine beforehand. So he was a surprise. Uh, Braylon Lux, uh, as I mentioned before, was a nice surprise. Um, Randy Jordan and Reggie Strong as well both came off the bench in the secondary, and they both played fairly solid uh, when once they entered the game. So those were two nice surprises. Jordan says we saw him quite a bit last year as a true freshman, and Reggie Strong's a redshirt freshman. So uh, the secondary, uh, definitely not a veteran group, but these young guys are showing some promise. And uh, even Evan Williams, of course, had a solid game back there as well. Um, Demarcus Johnson, as I mentioned, was a nice surprise. Uh, Levell Tatum played a lot of snaps at defensive tackle. He's been an end bulldog, so... You know, most of the surprises for me came on defense. I guess that Juan Rodriguez uh, making three catches and the, the nice touchdown reception he had was a, a pleasant surprise to know that 
he was ready to fill in at that position, but it looks like he may have suffered a, an injury that might make him lose some time. So uh, that kind of negates that as far as the pleasant surprises go. And uh, lastly, I guess, was Dante Atkins at, at left guard. Um, he was, uh, it looked like they planned to kind of rotate him as a redshirt freshman starter there. Uh, didn't look like he was going to play the whole game, but they never had a reason to take him out. So uh, that was a, a nice one to see. Really the only question mark on the line. Um, so uh, a lot of uh, underclassmen that maybe we didn't anticipate to have the kind of roles that they're having this year, but um, quite a few of those individuals stood, uh, stood out and stepped up, even though the, uh, the collective offense and defense didn't quite live up to what they needed to do. Yeah, and uh, that that's always... Yeah, so that brings me to my next subject. It's who was your biggest disappointment throughout the game? Obviously, you know, Hayner didn't perform like everyone hoped he would have, but was he the biggest disappointment of the game? Um, no, but, I mean, the turnovers are disappointing because um, you know, no, no, some of them were unusual. There was the, the ball that got bounced up into the air off of uh, Carrick Wheatfall's hands. You know, you can't blame him for that, but the turnovers were the biggest disappointing thing. That was what was most avoidable, and uh, they kind of let it get away from them there. Um, Hayner showed some – I think he showed a lot of stuff that was both good and bad. Um, to start off with a good – I mean, he delivered some deep balls, and that was something that we really longed to see from last year's offense. They didn't take a lot of shots, and uh, it was usually Jalen Cropper who maybe getting the end around to make those big kind of plays, and Ronnie Rivers making the big plays. Um, but they had the 50-yarder and a 40-yarder between um, Chris Coleman and uh, Carrick Wheatfall, I believe. So they did take some shots, and uh, they were successful at them. They were more successful at it than Hawaii was, which I uh, didn't expect at all. Um, but the the concerning thing besides the turnovers was that I did not anticipate Hayner to be on the move so much. That's what I think frustrated me most about the offense. Uh, that's kind of what... Reyna had done last season, and it was out of absolute necessity. He, the offensive line had a lot of poor performances in pass protection last year. Uh, but Hayner, I felt like, maybe had more time than he needed to, to run around like he was doing. Um, but when you take a strip sack as early in the game as you did with Hayner, you can lose some confidence there and get happy feet. So I think that's kind of what played out there. I mean, Hayner was credited with 13 rushes when you include the sacks. And uh, there's just there's too many weapons on Fresno State's offense to, to have Hayner running that much. A uh, check down to Rivers might be a, a better breakaway play. I mean, it's a conservative one, but it's got a higher potential, I think, than him trying to run around all game long. So, um, And then with Rivers, I mean, he played solid, but the running game was not nearly as explosive as I had hoped. So if uh, Hayner can settle in in the pocket and they can establish some run, I mean, this should, I think the offense can take a very big step very quickly. Um, but you just don't want them to, to repeat some of those things and feel like last year all over again. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely the quarterback right position right now is the most high profile position that the, the Bulldogs are trying to reload, so to speak, since uh, the departure of, uh, you know, Marcus McMarion. It has been kind of a, a very up and down kind of a situation for the Bulldogs, and they're hoping to kind of find the right piece to put in the puzzle here. Um, would have would have helped the Bulldogs to to kind of see what uh, their backup 
would have done. Um, I know because that was a very tight race to begin with. Uh, why not throw the, the young guy in there and see if, if that made a difference? Yeah, you know, I was getting curious around the, the third and fourth turnovers. Do you do it? I mean, the first-time starter that uh, turns the ball over that much in the first game, I think it's a fair uh, question. Uh, as you mentioned, the race was reported to be very close, and you can certainly uh, contemplate throwing the next guy out there. I mean, even well, Hawaii is a much different story last year, but when Fresno State went there, they had an NFL draft pick at quarterback that they pulled out of the game in the fourth quarter, much less than uh, what Hainer had done. Uh, and it worked out for Hawaii, actually. But I think if you're Fresno State, you're in this weird situation, you're in your first game, some of the turnovers weren't necessarily Hainer's fault. Uh, you've only got a quarter left or so, and you don't want to try to kind of start over with as far as getting in sync all over again. You just hope that your quarterback that's played three quarters can, can find a way to move the ball there late in the game. And uh, unfortunately, the way the run defense was going, just the offense didn't get a whole lot of opportunity to, to go with either either route there at the end. But um, and it's also a, probably a confidence thing. I mean, they just contained the starter. It's his first game. It's a vote of confidence from his head coach to leave him in there and they seem to be pretty dedicated to Hainer rather than uh, some of these coach or, uh, quarterback battles where we see, oh, well, quarterback A is our starter, but B is going to play or B was next up if something goes wrong. And uh, that's not something that this coaching staff seems too interested in being a part of. Yeah, it's uh, once you start kind of opening up that can of worms of uh, playing uh, musical chairs with the, the quarterback position, then all it does is really make it very difficult for a team to get behind that quarterback. <laughs> um, <laughs> and right now, Hayner, um, you know, like you said, one of those interceptions wasn't his fault. Um, the The receivers weren't exactly doing him any favors uh, by not pulling in the, the, the passes when they should have. Uh, there was a couple of instances where the, the, the receivers should have came away with those passes, but they didn't. Uh, and one of them resulted in a uh, in an interception. <laughs> so, you know, things can change on a dime. Uh, it just just have to wait and see how the Bulldogs bounce back this week, um, especially you know heading uh, into a matchup against Colorado State, another game here at home. Um, do you foresee any changes heading up into this game, Jackson? Well, I think defensively, it's not necessarily changes, but it's uh, going to be a much different um, approach because Hawaii, even though they ended up running the ball a lot, they had a lot of four receiver sets, with at least three receiver sets, and uh, the Bulldogs had to put the personnel and the packages out there to be ready for that. And um, unfortunately, by selling out so much on defending the pass that I think they made themselves susceptible to the run. And then at the end, it seemed to run out of energy. Um, Colorado state, they're going to put some receivers out on the field, but it's going to be a very different looking offense. Um, they're a, a program that we used to be known for the past. So last season that they have gone through a coaching change and it looks like they're going to be much more of a smash mouth power running team. Um, if you look at uh, Steve Adazio and what he did at Boston College for the last seven seasons, he's their new head coach now at Colorado State. Uh, they would run the ball almost double the amount of times they would pass it in a, a given season. So 
this is probably a, a, a team that's going to run a lot more in the traditional sense, maybe look more like a Pat Hill type of style. And for Fresno State, that does not sound good <laughs> coming off of the, <laughs> the way that they played against Hawaii. But I think they're going to – I mean, this is a defense that's going to adapt a little bit to what they're seeing, even though the personnel is going to be the same. So I think you'll see the D-line focus a little bit more on the interior. You'll bring that position, which is their linebacker-safety hybrid, probably more into the box and be more of a 4-3 a maybe kind of look and, uh, as far as the way that they're positioned. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different. We'll see if it helps, and especially if Aaron Mosley can play a little bit more. Uh, that might be a, a better matchup. And then um, – Colorado State does not have Warren Jackson, uh, who was the guy who went for almost 200 yards against the Bulldogs through the air last season as a receiver. He uh, was the preseason conference player of the year uh, on offense, and he declared for the NFL after the season postponement. So uh, the Rams don't quite have as many weapons, and uh, they're probably going to focus more on the run. So we'll see if that might fit a little bit better for Fresno State as far as knowing what they're expecting rather than Hawaii, I think caught them off guard a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean that, that, that game just, it just didn't look right from the beginning. <laughs> so uh, yeah. what the Bulldogs are going to do here against, uh, against Colorado state, they, they should be able to kind of figure that out a little bit better than what Hawaii did. Now, granted Colorado state had to have gotten the film of what Hawaii did against Fresno state. And is like, you know, why not just duplicate what, what we saw with the, uh, Hawaii against Fresno State. Uh, basically, Fresno struggled stopping the run, um, and it's going to be another one of those one of those years again. If the Bulldogs can't figure it out, where it's going to be a porous defense of where the the run is just going to be the Achilles heel for Fresno State uh, of you know running right through the Bulldogs. Is that going to be another one of those situations, Jackson, this year that we're 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 just going to have to kind of cringe a little bit every time the other team tries to run a little bit on the Bulldogs. I think this game is going to be the test that tells us whether or not it's, it's going to be that way. Um, they Like Hawaii, they, they were a team that did spread it out. They looked like they were going to throw, and they got the Bulldogs with some free option, with some wildcat, with um, just some spread running attacks that um, Fresno State didn't seem to be ready for. Um, this is a game where I think Colorado State is going to say, here's our formation, we're running the ball between the tackles and stop us if you can, and we'll see if Fresno State can do it or not. And if they can't, uh, it kind of would show two different looks that the Bulldogs have seen as far as run defense that they weren't able to stop and would give you concern that either end of the spectrum or anywhere in between is going to be a, an offense that can probably attack the Bulldogs with the run. Um, but uh, as far as the personnel goes, I think Fresno State has the guys that they can put their four starting linemen and their two starting linebackers out there at full strength. This is a group that should be able to handle running teams. But last week we saw without Mosby, and then you have Kwame Jones cramp up, you have Kevin Atkins get fatigued. Uh, the depth is just not there for Fresno State. So it's going to depend a lot on health, on staying injury-free up there, and um, and not being on the field quite as much or for a long of drives. And if the the setting is optimum, I think Fresno State certainly has the guys to stop the run, but it could fall apart pretty quickly, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And so it's going to be one of those where the Bulldogs are, 
we'll, we'll soon figure out what kind of team they're going to be this year uh, <laughs> just by you know what happens in this upcoming game. It, it should give us a little bit more clarification as to what uh, what we're going to get uh, moving forward. But right now, these are crazy times, Jackson. Crazy times. <laughs> we just don't really know what we're going to get until we open up that can, right? So yeah, <laughs> uh, but the next matchup against Colorado state is going to be, uh, well, I guess every matchup is going to be important since there is no preseason basically for the Bulldogs. Uh, every game matters, um, this season. If they're going to make a push for the mountain West championship, can they afford to lose another one, even though it's really early on in the, in the season? Yeah, that's the crazy thing. I, I don't know if you can. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the way that the the conference is not viewing divisions this year because not everyone's playing eight games. Um, some teams have a non-conference game. Some teams have two. Some teams have had games canceled already, and there's just no way to do it evenly. Um, so, I mean, if you lose a couple of games, you might have a team that's five and one, six and one, <laughs> and you, you can't catch them uh, by the end of the year. So. Uh, or you might you don't have the luxury of being in the West Division where a team advances with two or three losses like they have in, in previous years. So, uh, I mean, yeah. Then then you have teams like Boise State and San Diego State. I believe they don't play each other. So there's going to be a, a lot of opportunities for teams to, to stockpile some wins. And you only need just the top two. It doesn't matter who it is. They're going to advance. So um, I think you're going to need to. <laughs> If you lose three games, you're probably out. There's probably no way you're going to survive that. And even if you lose two, you're probably going to need some help. So, unfortunately for Fresno State, that puts in a tough spot. But, um, you know, it is a weird season. It's going to be different expectations and even bowl scenarios. Or I mean, there's no eligibility rules this year, so it's hard to measure what bowls are they even going to play and what it takes to get to one. So, you kind of have to throw everything out the window, but as far as playing these eight games, you would hope that Fresno State would at least contend for the title, and um, they're going to have to put together some wins pretty quick to stay in that hunt. Yeah, and that 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 kind of surprises me, Jackson, because you're you're talking about bowl games. I wasn't even I was under the impression there was not not going to be any bowl games. Uh, just you know, play the season and see who's the champion of your division or your your conference. I wasn't even aware that they're even considering to, to go into a bowl game. Is that still an option on the table? Well, we've got, I'll, I'll give you two examples that explain how chaotic this is right now. <laughs> the Hawaii bowl has been canceled already. So there's no Hawaii bowl. Uh, and the other end of the spectrum, army has already accepted a, a bid to the independence bowl uh, in October. So <laughs> this is a, I mean, going to be as bizarre as ever for bowl season. Uh, you, uh, it doesn't even matter if you're 500 or not. There's no uh, stipulation because normally it's win six games and you're basically in a bowl game. But um, with only eight games, uh, there won't be enough six-win teams to, to fill all those spots. And um, So they've thrown that all out the window. You wonder, is the Mountain West going to get some of those spots that they normally would have? Or is some bowl going to take a two-win team from a Power 5 conference instead? So. Um, you know, as many Mountain West Bowl games as they actually play, uh, that would be the thoughts. And I guess, I mean, I wouldn't anticipate there'll be many fans. So I imagine it'll go off of a win basis rather than some of the other factors when you 
look at usually travel with traveling fans, which really goes in Fresno State's favor a lot of times. Um, all that's out the window, and uh, we'll see. Yeah, again, we don't even know if all the Bulls will actually play, but uh, we know all of them except Hawaii right now are on the table. That is that is the weirdest thing because if you look at these Bulls, they're all geared around sponsorships. Um, who wants to sponsorship a, an empty stadium, Jackson? That's where it kind of <laughs> baffles me a little bit. Uh, I know that the the TV money is good, but it's it's not going to make up the difference. That's for sure uh, of what these Bulls can actually do. So, you know, whether or not there's actually going to be bowl games or whether or not there's even going to be enough to even go around, I mean, how do you even make that criteria? You win four games and you're in? I mean, that that's going to be the, the tough decision that they're going to have to start making. But in all retrospect, they, they need to take a, a head count, so to speak, and, and figure out how many bowl games there's actually going to be. Because <laughs> uh, I don't even think they even know that right now, Jackson. Uh, am, I, am I off on that or what? Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be some bowls. I mean, obviously the ones that are, are long travel with Hawaii and the Bahamas Bowl is also backed out. I mean, there's just no way to, to make that happen, but... I wouldn't be surprised either if some of these other smaller bowl games, especially if teams are going to have to travel quite a bit to get to them, maybe uh, call it off this year and just wait for next season, like uh, what the Hawaii Bowl is doing. And um, you know, I'm not exactly sure where all that stands, but as you mentioned, it's all. I mean, there's no eligibility rules. I mean, it's kind of a free for all, and uh, it's going to be hard to, to figure out what they're going to do until maybe late November, December, early. We might get an idea of what they're actually going to do with all those bowl games. Yeah, they might have to, uh, uh, you know, put everything on pause and and just and, <laughs> and just wait uh, and and see what happens. But it, it would be nice to see some bowl games. It'd be nice to see some uh, you know extra games, but. That's besides the point right now. They're just trying to keep everybody safe. Uh, so we'll see see how that pans out. But, Jackson, what are going to be the keys for Fresno State to actually pull off a victory this week against Colorado State, who I guarantee you was looking at the footage and trying to figure out how they can incorporate that? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for Fresno State, I don't think Colorado State has some of the weapons outside to, to kind of replicate the way Hawaii operates. Um, obviously, without Warren Jackson, it's going to be tough for them in the passing game. Um, Patrick O'Brien is a very capable quarterback. It sounds like he's going to start for them. Uh, he put up well over 300 yards against the Bulldogs last season. So, um, But it's not quite the same as Hawaii. He's not as mobile. They don't have uh, some of the speed on the outside. Um, so I think they are going to kind of go with Adazio's plan as far as being a little bit more pro style and um, that should be a little bit more of a test of physicality and we'll see if Fresno State can match that so that's my uh, priority number one as far as Fresno State goes to win this game they've got to be able to stop the run it's going to be different I think than the way Hawaii did it but it is going to be a a very equal challenge as far as doing it physically Um, obviously turnovers I mean it's going to be a huge key they can't turn the ball over four times and expect to win. doesn't matter how well they play everywhere else on the field. It's just not very likely to happen. Um, and then offensively, it's just, for me, getting in sync, getting that chemistry together between Hayner and the offensive line. I didn't feel like it was there. Between Rivers and the offensive line, there was a lot of runs that were not as uh, potent as we saw last year even. 
uh, Hainer and the receivers. I think he's got to narrow it down to maybe a few guys. Uh, we saw a whole bunch of receivers touch the ball one to three times. No one more than three catches. I think you've got to figure out who your Keyshawn Johnson is, so to speak, in this offense and, and get that guy the ball a lot more and um, put some pressure on the opposing defensive secondary that uh, Hawaii didn't quite feel in that sense. So those are the three things I'd like to see. Um, if they can do all those things, I certainly think Fresno State can win. They're only a two-point underdog in this game, um, which is, you're not used to seeing Fresno State as underdogs in Bulldog Stadium, but um, even by a small margin, it's a little bit off-putting for uh, red waivers out there. But um, I mean, Colorado State also four and eight last season. They're not world beaters by any means. This is going to be their first game. Uh, they're going to have to work out some kinks early on. So uh, very much like the first week, this is going to be a tough one to predict. But it is a game that even with the challenges Fresno State is facing is one that should be very much winnable. And we'll see if the, the coaches can get the players on the, a better page this week and get the job done. Uh, because if they can win this one, uh, they go off to UNLV next weekend, which should be you know, theoretically one of their quote-unquote easiest games of the season. And there's a chance there to, to kind of build some momentum and bounce back from what was a disappointing week one. So it's there. Uh, I'm not confident of which way it's going to go, much like last week. Um, but uh, I think it's not time to pack in the season either. I think there's enough weapons for Fresno State to figure this thing out and possibly even do it this weekend or this week, Thursday. I keep forgetting. <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Now, was there enough for the Bulldogs to see to kind of figure out what they need to do to, to correct things, Jackson? Uh, I mean, they they played a, against a Hawaii team that pretty much dominated that game, so to speak, and the Bulldogs struggled. Were the Bulldogs able to kind of figure things out a little bit? I, I think one of the things is, you know, they need to get Cropper going a little bit more. I mean, the guy – Touched the ball what third quarter? Uh, yeah, for the first time. Uh, that that's odd to me. Uh, yeah, it, and that's part of what I'm referring to earlier about narrowing things down. I mean, if you have so many guys touching the ball, I think there was only 17 completions in the game. There's not a lot of touches to go around, and if that's the case, you got to make sure Cropper gets a, a good handful of those. Uh, it sounds like he was coming in with a little bit of an ankle injury, but. He did play quite a bit. He didn't touch the ball a lot, obviously, but he was on the field a lot, about half the game, even though it didn't feel like it a lot of the time. So uh, that was one of the takeaways, I think, from the, the coaches. That obviously, they need to get the ball into his hands uh, a lot more. Um, I think Hainer running was an issue. They want him to settle down a little bit and rely more on the check down. Uh, if you can get the ball to Ronnie Rivers or someone else, that's an easy pass and just take a couple yards rather than uh, just running all over the field and tiring yourself out. Uh, that would be uh, more advantageous for Fresno State offensively. So I think on that side of the ball, they saw a lot of things that are correctable. The defense is what worries me just because the scheme they're going to see this weekend or this week is probably going to be a lot different uh, than Hawaii and it's going to require uh, some of the positions on Fresno State's 4-2-5 defense to be in different spots. They're going to have a lot of different tasks than they did last weekend. So um, it's probably not as much as far as correcting things, but having what they have to do this week better explained throughout the, the short week of practice and 
and having guys in the right spots and, and being able to, to stop what the Rams are attacking with. And so that's going to be a little bit uh, of a different challenge as far as whether it's correcting things or game planning. I think the offense can correct the defense has the game plan better. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they, they definitely need to do something. They need to just get that ball into the playmaker's hands and, and, and see if maybe they can break open the game a little bit, at least to um, – relieve the pressure off the quarterback to to try and make plays that he really doesn't need to. I mean, Hayner absolutely overthrew a player right into the arms of somebody else <laughs> in, in <clears throat> early on in that game. So you could tell that, you know, he was kind of nervous coming into this game. And, you know, that is justifiable. Uh, but on the flip side, uh, that pass was kind of inexcusable at the same time so um but <clears throat> it is what it is but the bulldogs really do need to kind of get their the ball into the playmakers hands and let them do take over these these games uh cropper is one of them getting them in in the third quarter was definitely not not making it happen um but uh we'll see what happens uh, they'll just make their adjustments and see see how things kind of pan out uh, but what else do you take away from from what this last game gave us, and and what do you foresee coming up here in the in the next game? Yeah, even with week one, you look in the Mountain West. I think it's tough for any team to take away too much. Um, I think there's, I mean, San Diego State steamrolled UNLV, Boise State steamrolled Utah State. Um, I mean, there's a, a few teams, I think, that are at the top, and Hawaii's going to feel a lot better about themselves after last weekend as well. But, I mean, you can have a lot of different things happen in week two where it really questions what you saw in week one, whether it's good or bad. And so um, the opportunity is there. It's, uh, you can't judge this Fresno State team based off the four-quarter sample size. We're going to learn a lot more in the next couple of weeks. It's just the problem is, if it's a slow progression, you're, you may be out of the race by week three or week four. And so that's what makes the season so much uh, more difficult in that sense. But um, Colorado State's intriguing because they're kind of the opposite of Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii had a really good season last year with guys that weren't known as very good recruits. Um, Colorado State had a pretty bad season last year. And they've got a wealth of talent on their roster that the last coaching staff couldn't do anything with for the most part, uh, except for, you know, you look Fresno State, went to Hawaii and won. They hosted Colorado State and lost. <laughs> so it's hard to, to judge where Fresno State is with these two teams. But um, it's going to be a very different Colorado State team than what they saw with Hawaii. And um, they could go a lot of different ways. <laughs> it's tough to tell. But. Um, the, the win is there for the taking. If Fresno State shores up some of those things that went wrong last weekend. Absolutely, and uh, uh, you know what they say: a win goes a long way. It heals a lot of wounds uh, for players. So, uh, if the Bulldogs can pull off one, maybe that'll help with their confidence heading into the future games. Especially uh, the next two after this one are going to be on the road, I believe. So, um, it's going to be a different change of pace. You know, they're not going to be here in. Uh, the comforts of Fresno, they're going to be out on the road. Um, but, you know, we'll see see how things adjust this week. So any final thoughts, Jackson? I'm just getting ready for this one. Um, it's uh, been a crazy couple of days coming off the first game, and now the second game is almost here already. Um, they'll kind of get more into a routine next week. But 
Uh, we are offering a, a VIP sale right now, again, to celebrate uh, week two of the college football season for Fresno State. Um, we're offering 50% off a year right now if you join by the end of the week. So you've got before the game or even after if you want. But anytime by Sunday, you can take advantage of that. Uh, if you get on there right now, you'll see some insider notes that uh, from the game that weren't shared on here that were from the stadium and uh, some other insights, snap counts from the Bulldogs' first game. Um, a lot of insider takeaways, more depth on each position, what we saw in the first game, and uh, some in-depth previews of what's to come with Colorado State. And uh, you'll have coverage all season long. A year will get you all the way through half of the 2021 season, more than half. So uh, pretty good value as far as the way that this weird schedule sets up with the delayed season. But um, yeah, you can sign up now and get 50% off and get almost two seasons of Fresno State football coverage. So. Uh, there's your shot there till Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So, and if you do, like Jackson said, if you sign up in time, and you uh, basically are getting the whole season for like a dollar, two dollars. Um, so, you know, get a chance to, to go and sign up now. Um, and then that being said, Jackson, um, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, so, if any of you out there who are, are haven't done so already, head over to our Facebook page and become a fo- Facebook uh, fan of the page, and we report all the news and latest updates there prior to publishing them on the on the website. Of course, um, you can follow Jackson on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can follow me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions or anything you would like to share with us, you can find us on the boards uh, at thebarkboard.com. There is a free and a premium board. Uh, Of course, if you are a premium member, you will be able to uh, get a little bit more one-on-one with Jackson as he can answer some more of your questions um, as a member, a premium member of the Barkboard. That being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and join us back again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.